Hey, I'm Alan Mulville. I'm the European Rowing Club Ambassador, and you're listening to Potsdill Radio. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Irish Whiskey Magazine, the only magazine in the world dedicated to sharing the exciting news, lifestyle, and spirit of Irish whiskey. You can find out more at irishwhiskeymagazine.com and the Tour Glass a contemporary nosing and tasting glass, a symbol to unify Irish whiskey drinkers across the world. And you can find out more about this beautiful glass at tourglass.ie. Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Potstilled Radio. As always, I'm your host, Matt Healy, and this week is the first week of the new year, 2019, where I am delighted to be sitting down with the European Rowan co-ambassador, Alan Mulvihill. Have I said your last name correctly? Just about. Hey, brother, how are you? <laughs> good, good, good. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be able to catch you. We've been trying to find a way to sit down together for the last little while, so it's yeah. great to be able to sit with you. Good to be here. Um... So, uh, don't worry, we're laughing a little bit there. As always, folks, we try to bring you the show as live as possible, so I hope you don't mind if you're clinking up glasses or even a sliding of a cup of tea or two. Um, so, Alan, I suppose, um, for those who don't know you out in uh, podcast land, uh, tell us a little bit about you and where you've been hiding for the last number of years. Uh, oh, God, long story. Uh, I've been away from Ireland for about eight years now. Started off travelling in Canada, went to Australia, like the usual Irish story of, like, when you're young, you get the fuck out of your parents' house as fast as possible, uh, with all due respect to them. Sorry, mum. Uh, ended up in Australia for a long time, working in a couple of different kind of high-end bars. I guess the two big hitters, one was Black Pearl, which was number eight in the world for a long time, and then Whiskey and Ailment, which some of you guys might know. So Whiskey and Ailment by these two guys called Brook and Jules. Basically a thousand single malts on their back bar, and then they rotate ten new ones in that they've never had in each week. So that was pretty interesting, awe-inspiring, and intimidating uh, job to have. Paul and Yolaba whiskey until I stepped in there. Just looked up at the back bars like crazy. I think they actually might have won uh, International Irish Whiskey Bar of the Year, or at least come very close a few years ago in the Irish we, Whiskey We won it Wars. twice in a row. Did you? Uh, up against Dead Rabbit at the time, which we <laughs> could not believe, because as great as a bar and the selection that we had was incredible and stuff that I have still yet to see again. Like In terms of true Irish hospitality, those guys, Dead Rabbit, <laughs> probably had won us over we were a real whiskey whiskey geeks bar and, and as a result pretty chill pretty quiet and people just like peering into their drams more than anything else following that my fiance and I we moved to Edinburgh and I worked in Devil's Advocate there another great whiskey bar and I set up a wee pop-up called Whiskey or Death you're actually drinking from one of the mugs that we did for the did for that that was pretty cool we worked with um, a beer company in england and we just produced beers to match certain drams so we had five whiskeys and five beers and each was paired to one another and then we had like this really antique selection of old white mackay products so like old juras old dalmores that was really cool 20s 30s 40s stuff like crazy and then we we really didn't charge people that much for it which meant that it was accessible to everybody and that's what we wanted to do because in Edinburgh it can be hard, you know, to to differentiate what really good old school whiskey is and what really good new school whiskey is because everyone's selling whiskey and everyone's trying to make bang their drum, so to speak. So what we did was like what we thought the most authentic uh, form of that. Yeah, the, the brewery we worked with called Old Worthy, which is pretty cool. Uh, those guys do like old school hand pump beer. Old Worthy's are 
it's a great name for a beer. All Riley's are the guys who used to work security in distilleries in Isla and all up along the coast. And quite often they would be uh, drinking away from either fermentation tanks or whatever they get their hands on. <laughs> and they would fall asleep on shift and get kicked awake by the next guys and would be stumbling home. And the locals would call them the All Worthies as they made their way back to their houses. It's kind of like the walk of shame in Scotland. <laughs> Uh, after Scotland, we went to Mexico, uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, and we opened up an independent tequila bar, just doing locally sourced agave spirits, and no, nothing else. The only really big name thing we had on the back bar was Talisker, because Talisker was just delicious, and fight anybody who tells me it's not. Um, yeah, and then this opportunity came up. We'd been there in Mexico for a year, and it was interesting. Holy crap, it was interesting. There was a lot. Like, it's an intense city um but a lot of fun learned a lot don't think they'll ever be stressed again about anything that ever happens over this side of the world <laughs> uh, in between all the all the the chaos of that place but this opportunity came up and i went for it and i was very lucky to to land the role i know a lot of good people also went for it and uh while i am sorry i didn't get it i'm pretty happy with where i am very good and uh, how long have you been in this role uh, i started about six months ago now okay uh, six months ends in February. So, if that makes any sense. Sorry, five months in, six months in February. Okay. Rowan Co. being a Diageo sub-brand, many people might expect there'd be 300 people working on this brand. And from speaking to you a little bit off mic, um, I don't think it is that big. So, you want to dive us into who is behind Rowan Co.? No. So, Rowan Co. is, I guess, has two different faces. The one that's perceived by people around the world because it's attached to Diageo. And then one that actually goes to work every day. People who were like directly employed by Rowan Co. There's like four of us in the company at the moment. There is Laura Hemi, who is our master distiller, head distiller, as we now call them all nowadays, just not offend anybody. Uh, there's Haley Milner, who's in charge of marketing, but does pretty much absolutely everything. Uh, Niall Malloy, we just recently hired. He used to be the world class ambassador and the portfolio ambassador for Diageo for Ireland. And he's going to be the ops manager for the new distillery, which is incredible. He's like, if you ever want to see the personification of Irish hospitality, it's this man. He used to work in the Guinness storehouse. He's worked his way up to all levels of it here in Dublin and just truly loves the trade, you know. And then there's myself. So they're the four real, I guess, pillar stones of the company at the moment. And then everything that we can't do, we ask Diageo for help. And which is a nice thing to have because we're like leaning upon people who have like 30 years experience. So... While we are allowed to make a couple of our own mistakes, we can rectify them fairly quickly, which is really nice. Like Caroline Martin, who you probably have heard attached to the brand, has been working for Diageo for 35 years. She's been blending Johnny Walker and, you know, just like this amazing wealth of experience that we can just lean on and be like, hey, look, we're looking to do this. How do we get there? And like, instead of having hours and hours and hours and hours of testing and fucking things up, she just like writes back and like, oh, it's just like trying this and see what you think. And like nine times out of 10, it's like perfect. So instead of going A, B to C, you can just go A so we to just C. Jump right to C. <laughs> and then it means we get to do the new, the next thing, you know? Uh, just keep constantly pushing at the moment, which is cool. And um, as we sit here, we're only about, what, 250 meters away from the new distillery or the old power plant as it was. Yeah. Um, what's that project been like? How far along are you at this point as well? Stills are in. The stills are in, which is the great news. Um, the building is from 1947, so like structurally, there's stuff that we keep finding that we're like, like oh, like, that's not that. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Give us a fun insight into it. Uh, 
basically we had to like reinstall floors and then the the most fun one of all was we had this amazing idea i don't want to give away too much away the distillery because i want it to be revealed but for me the story is like the perfect we had this huge bridge that crosses both wings so you can go from the west wing to the east wing or whatever it's like the white house just like, like yeah absolutely <laughs> except <laughs> way less plush uh you go you can walk across the the distillery and the working area above it and look down into it which is an amazing thing to do and be able to see but we pushed for this like one beautiful piece and of course when we tried to bring it into the building there was absolutely no space for that so the engineers had to like perform some sort of magic <laughs> to get it through the doors and we basically hated by the engineers at the moment for the things that we request another really enjoyable thing that we didn't really think about was the loading and unloading of the barley so there's only because it's such a steep incline and such a severe turn that there's only one current truck in the country that can deliver and take away loads from the distillery that guy's going to be paid really well so he knows his value yeah <laughs> Um, so I think we're maybe working on getting another one made just to try and hopefully because if that breaks we're like fuck lads but uh, yeah that's some of just interesting kinks there's the fox that lives there on site as well which is kind of cool she's like when I first got here she could be seen like sunbathing on top of the roof like, I don't know how she was clambering in amongst it but like she would get up into the like and be just like sunbathing haven't seen her in a couple of weeks now partially because of the weather and partially because there's a lot of work going on I could see the second brand being established from the <laughs> No, 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 no plans for that yet. Um, any weird, wonderful finds inside a building from 1947? It was a power station, wasn't it? Was, was it? It was. was. Was there any of the machinery still there when you went in? A, a lot of that stuff is still there. We're not getting rid of it all. We tried to salvage as much as possible because we wanted to be part of the decor. And even still, a lot of the the, the back uh, like the, the back fifths of the, of the building will be kept as was. Uh, basically, we're just trying to like acclimate ourselves into the into the venue without taking over too much. Obviously, where we do the production side of things, huge change and a couple of little bits of the tour. But like the bar and that is all just going to be like a revamped version of those rooms where all of the nuts and bolts and the rust and all that still remains true, which is cool. One of the weird things that we did find was like a massive white horse, like a massive white horse that's just sitting down in the basement. Is no it a one... statue? Is it? It's like a statue sort of thing. No, not no, not real, not taxidermy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I should have clarified. Uh, it's like a like a plastic white horse. I don't know. Like initially, I was like, oh, a lack of woolen runoff blend thing used to happen here, and then they were like, that definitely didn't happen here. Al. I can't tell you what it's for. Maybe some sort of Guinness party that went over, went nuts. And then they were like, yo, stick it in the basement of the. Just keep it in the basement and then we'll find something to do with it because we don't want to get rid of it because that's just just, like you look at it and you can't help but just be like Jesus what was that used for (laughs) (laughs) maybe we don't want to know yeah Um, so when when are you guys um, expecting to be open great question great question Uh, we start commissioning in February hopefully fingers crossed touch wood Uh, and then the plan is to be open for May don't hold that to me. Don't hold that. Don't hold me to that because initially so we'll, we'll, it was we'll March, be, April, May, and yeah. so we'll, we'll see you uh, commissioning in September, and it'll be yeah. open for the following March. Yeah, twenty twenty. That's how distilleries go. In fairness, there's a lot of distilleries in the country who've learned that the date you're meant to be commissioning is usually when you're about halfway done. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Just hurts, you know. Uh, absolutely, you're chomping at the bit. I'm sure. So I suppose for those people who are now listening, you've heard you've got a distillery. 
you've got a European Random Master, you've at least three other people working with you. What is Rowan Co? Give them the rundown. So Rowan Co, I guess, I'll give you what Rowan Co is to me, because Rowan Co to everybody at the moment is a lot of many different things. To me, Rowan Co is a blending company. We're a whiskey blending company. Like when the whiskey is up and running, we'll be producing a single malt, like 100% single malt a lot of the time. And we won't be producing any grain whiskey for or blend that's now currently available. Um, which we're going to have to give a name because once we start going with a couple of different expressions, we can't just keep calling them all Ronco. It'll be a nightmare. Um, but yeah, so the, the blend that we have at the moment is like an easy drinking number, non-chill filter, 45%. And that's something that they and we did very purposely because we just wanted it to be like an excellent mixing whiskey. A lot of the time I feel people have taken this idea of us being a cocktail whiskey and like run with it to the ends of the earth to the point where you're like, oh, you don't drink that late. That's that cocktail whiskey. And for me, that's never what it was intended to be. Um, and I feel maybe a lot of our advertising in the beginning might have might have been banging that drum like big time. But it is basically for me the upsell in the, in at the speedwell in the bar, and you know just to have something with a bit more depth, a bit more texture, and a bit more like palate depth is what I would say. You know something that clings a bit more to your tongue as it's going down. I drink it all the time on the side with a beer, you know, on its own neat. Um, and it's delicious it's like the kind of fills the the hole that buffalo trace left in my heart when i came back to ireland because it's like eight euro for a buffalo trace here which is insane um but it's delicious um and ronco so going back to what the actual question you asked me uh ronco <laughs> is a blending company and we will be producing blends so we're going to continue to buy whiskey off anyone who will even look at us really at the moment uh as and, much as the way the Irish whiskey industry well, currently. You know, yeah. we're just doing what we do and what the rest of us are doing at the moment. We have like a pretty cool store of stuff available to us. Obviously, anyone who's listening to this podcast will know like the history a little bit in terms of Diageo having Bushmills and then um, selling it off to Jose Cuervo. Uh, it's funny, I was talking to Caroline Martin and in her little recipe book, which is kind of cool to look through because it just has like mad thoughts and ideas. She has the original idea for Ronco written down on in 2014 when we still owned Bushmills. Yeah, she was still owned Bushmills. So it was her and the, the head distiller from Bushmills were like talking about it, about this new expression. And then obviously that, that transaction happened and they just kept that idea and they said, do you still have all that work? She was like, yeah. It's like, cool, well, let's start our own one. So that's kind of, that was nice for me to hear. I actually got told that during the interview process, which is really nice because I guess like everyone else, I was skeptical of the whole, the whole thing because, well, I hadn't been in Ireland. So all I'd ever seen was like people's responses to it online, which have been at times flattering and at times unfailingly dire, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and I know that we're always have a target on our back, so to speak, because of our affiliation with Diageo. Hey, big boys. And we're the big boys and we're crushing <laughs> all the little guys. And that is not what we're about, you know? Um, like we intend to have stock like the Thomas Street whiskey crew all in the distillery like we'll have that in the bar we just we just people who work for Ronco love fucking Irish whiskey and we just want it to be great and it's important to us to be in the position that we're in with all this backing behind us and to be people who love the brand and who love the spirit and love like the culture of it much rather have people like that there than people who you know I don't know if I should be saying this online, but fucking accounts. <laughs> have to cut that bit up. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I I like what you're saying. Like, you'd rather work with people who appreciate the brand or, or the history of the of the category itself. Because a lot of the times, you know, I think, um, you know, 
you know, it could be toothpaste. You could be marketing or selling toothpaste and you might not use toothpaste or the brand you use or, you know, even care. So sometimes when it's a commodity piece, it can be a job to people. And then it's also refreshing when it's a passion for people as well, which is, I think, a, a good a good way to be when you're yeah. surrounded by that as well. Well, absolutely. Whiskey has been, particularly for me, has been like my bread and butter since I was like 18, 19. I started bartending and people heard my accent and were like, oh, you must know about whiskey. I was like, yeah, I'm from Cork, kind of. <laughs> I must know about Jameson. And um, I went and learned about it, and it's taken me all over the world, you know. And I'm very thankful for it, and I just want to pay back a bit where I can and how I can. So it's important to me that we we honor the category and honor the people who, who make it as great as it is. You know, people think that we're just sitting here fucking shaking our fists at Jameson. Fuck no, Jameson is the reason that we exist. You know, and Teeling over there, like Steve Teeling sends me horrible Simpsons memes all the time. Love that. <laughs> you know, and Connor Ryan down the road texts me all the time just saying really positive things because he's the best fucking dude in the world. And we look forward to working with him. And I go down there and I drink as much as I can in my cans. Great bar. And, you know, just sitting there drinking a Pierce Lions and having a Guinness and knowing that my distillery is over there and his is one over there is such a cool experience. And, you know, there's not much like that in the world. It is turning into a nice distillery quarter once again. Yeah. And I suppose uh, to put you on the spot a little bit, you know, the 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 George, sorry, the Rowan Co. paying homage in, in, actually I think in a very tactful way to the old George Rowe and yeah. company distilleries because it's not actually assuming the original name. No. It's just more of an homage, um, which I think of a lot of things could have happened. I think that's probably one of the things I saw first. I kind of gave a little hat, you know, Absolutely. hat tip because it's not just assuming we're not the same, but we're nearby. And yeah. hey, the old windmill that's I assume full of asbestos at this point. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't uh, go in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I mean uh, I suppose in some ways re- reviving the the distillery quarter, and I think it's in some way slightly ironic that Guinness is our yeah. parent company is reviving. Rowe as the famous hatred was between Arthur Guinness and the and the and George Rowe of the olden days. I think the quote was uh, from Guinness that whiskey was the curse of the people and porter was the cure of the people. Yeah. I think uh, the whiskey is days. whiskey is the curse and porter is the nurse. Oh, yeah, that's it. there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, look, I get told I get told all this. How fucking dare you? And I'm like, okay, just fucking pump the brakes here a bit and let me explain to you what I have found out from we paid people to research all this because obviously it's like delicate topic conversation and um you also didn't say that like 200 years ago either yeah i know it's just like, <laughs> i wasn't there pump your brakes <laughs> um but the, like it's kind of great because it's so many touches on so many cool iconic things because it's really the start of guinness's like real like oh marketing works like if we do this we can hurt other businesses and obviously that wasn't how they did it but it definitely increased their own like that really affected the the Dublin whiskey trade when that just went everywhere um being the curse and the nurse (coughs) to say that it was like George Rowe versus Arthur Guinness is kind of like a mad thing to say because it was like Arthur Guinness versus George Rowe versus Teeling versus like everything that existed because he was like I want to be the big seller here and beer and whiskey occupied the same part of the market at that time and nowadays they're very different, you know. You don't go and like people will just drink beers or they'll just have whiskeys. They generally don't have them side by side anymore and generally one doesn't replace the other unless it's really late at night and you're at a wedding and you fancy getting up to sing in a couple of hours <laughs> and then you suddenly go on the drops. Um, like, 
there's all these interesting stories. So like George Rowe put money towards restoring a wing of a cathedral. Arthur Guinness went out and restored an entire cathedral afterwards. You know, it's just like <laughs> two men with great egos who were killing it at the time, just going after each other. This, maybe it was hatred, like, but I really suspect that it was just two dudes who were just like, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, just like going at it. Um, you restore a wing, I'm going to restore a cathedral. Yeah, that was <laughs> pretty high, high rolling really out of Arthur. Um, there's, there's a really good story about George Rowe that we love because uh, obviously Anus Coffee is a very familiar uh, name. Anus worked for a, a short time in George Rowe's distillery. He was testing out this new taxation system where it was based not on the malted content, but on the alcohol, the ABV volume. And uh, basically he put it into place and he was like, can you guys try and break this for me? And George Rowe, this just shows how fucking ho- like horribly competitive, maybe is a good way to describe him. He was, was broke the system, told him to fuck off, and his coffee did. And then in the next couple of years, he went over to Scotland with his calm distillation after being basically roundhousely boo- booed by the entirety of Dublin, and then gave them continuous distillation and obviously a real foot up in that time. That was kind of a cool story for me. So the, while we do pay homage to George Rowe, it's not always to the good things that he did. It wasn't always the fact that he he took over Europe with two million gallons of whiskey or spirit production a year. It was the biggest in the empire and probably the world as a result. You know, you can't really say that, but it's like the technicalities of it all. Um, but if he had just fucking been an easy, chiller dude, he could have had the continuous distillation. He could have, you know. So while we pay homage to the great things that he's done, we're also like wary of the mistakes that he made and being too like egocentric and you know too too much pride in himself and didn't take on what was the future. Just said no, we're gonna keep doing this and you know get lost. So it's kind of uh, there's a there's a guy who works with us. So it's a great line for it. Um, inspired by his past, but informed by his mistakes. Which is a kind of cool tagline that it would be called a soundbite in the industry. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Cool. We can lead with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose if you if you are inspired by the mistakes we're learning from the past, uh, where is Rowan Co going? Because I guess it's kind of the birth of of Rowan Co. Still, we're still in the infancy, really. Yeah. Um, you haven't rolled out in the United States yet, but I see you got TTB clearance on the label. So funny. I sent that to Haley, who's our marketing manager, and I was like, look how much this guy knows already. And she was like, how? Like, how does he even? I was like, yeah, that's just what he does. They're always watching. They're always watching, Haley. Uh, yes, we did. Um, the so- TTB, in fairness, kind of ruins the fun a little bit. Like, it does. I- because it's, you know, a lot of the time you see it, you're like, oh, this would have been really cool as a big release. Yeah. And obviously, like, you know, if there's anybody listening to this, you know, the, the community of, of people who are very invested, you know, anybody who listens to this, I assume, will be at least somewhat invested. And yeah. if they find out there's only a community of maybe, like, maximum globally, I'd say, like, 300, 500 people. Yeah. And, it, and it doesn't ruin anything, really. But for those who are, like... But like you're the people who care the most. Yeah, and care the most and perhaps spend the least you yeah. know uh, so yeah. you know I mean like it, it, huh, that's good what's, but you know what's the average spend of a person you know what I mean so yeah. um, true um, but yeah so I just feel like it's sometimes I see it and I'm like oh I know if I don't post it someone else will but that's really cool <laughs> and I don't want to no, I reckon that. you stay on top and get in there <laughs> absolutely um, but yes where where is the direction of Ronco where are we on where are we going well, a couple of cool things happened in the first six months of this year. Obviously, distillery 
potentially <laughs> opening. <laughs> I hear the scenery. As I said it, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, maybe opening in the first six months. Um, America in March is almost 100% confirmed that I'll be there in March now. Can you give us a, a sneak peek of what where you're focusing in America? Or not focusing, but where are you going in America? Or... I, I'm hesitant to say too much in case That's it changes right. last minute. That's right. I'll definitely be in Massachusetts, though. Because I just love that fucking part of the world. <laughs> you heard it first. You heard it first, Massachusetts. I know you're all listening. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. Absolutely. And then we're probably going to go north. I think my geography isn't great. North of Massachusetts? Does it, does it go? I mean, there's like one or two more states, but... And then we're Canada? going south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, pretty, we're pretty high up at that point. Uh, but... Still on like Mexico and time. Where am I? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you'll be in Massachusetts, and then and then where are we off to? We're going south. We'll end up in Washington, basically. I think that's the right geography. Is it? It, it, DC or state? I DC. mean, okay. <laughs> so I literally, I've just got like one line telling me <laughs> so far. I don't get much information until I get like until the, until the flights are booked. I don't really know much, you know. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so, this is why I cover Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so for the people out there who don't understand, um, when when you do know where you're going and your flights are booked, what happens? Say you land in I don't know Germany, Spain, France, um, you know a market that you know you now focusing on. What happens when you land? What's what's the life of a European brand ambassador? Oh, cool, good question. Um, so basically, what will be done in advance is that we will have spoke to people who are distributing us in that country or who look after the brand, and we will ask them to pick a couple of key venues, generally where bar staff are very into either whiskey or into like education and knowledge in general. Um, very common, very common nowadays, which is really nice. It was a hard slog back when I was working for Tullamore years ago. Um, Sometimes to go in and just be like, so, uh, this is blended whiskey. And they're like, we don't care. But nowadays, people come in and they like want to know the blends. They want to know the casks. They want to know how long. They want to know the char levels. They want to know like why we use the barley from the field that we do and why it doesn't come from the other thing. And that's amazing. And it can be intimidating at times to find guys who are like really into it. Now, what uh, time should you pitch your yeast at? Yeah, like this sort of <laughs> stuff can catch you like off guard. And even if you know it, sometimes you have other facts in your head and it just like throws you off and you can lose the room a bit, which is hard. Uh, I have to say, when I was definitely a younger man, some of that stuff used to stress me out big time. Uh, even today, I text you making sure you weren't going to ask me anything that I couldn't fucking prepare for because <laughs> I didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to mess up. It's just important to me that I that people know the truth of it all, you know. Um, okay, so we pick a couple of venues, and I'll go in there. I'll speak to staff. Um, <clears throat> with my background in kind of like I hate the term, but high end bartending, sometimes I'll be working shifts, and they'll let me doing. They want me doing cocktails and. And stuff like that and then you know like in, like interacting with customers who go to those kind of like real top one percent bars as much as that isn't everything to be all end all but you know it's important that those places because it's kind of like a trickle down factor mm-hmm. so if those bars are on that cocktail list people are looking at the whole time yeah. you know so it's important to, particularly when we're establishing a foothold in a country to to be seen in these places and recognized and the whiskey for me is a really easy sell because you the the staff there like speak the language, which is really nice. The natural filtration, they get that like straight off the bat. Forty five percent for mixing. Oh yeah, I understand that. They taste it like first fill bourbon, big, sweet, bright. It's like cool. So that's really good for classic drinks. You're like yeah, well, and then they just go with there from it. Um, and then well, I'll do maybe an hour or two of that, and then it'll be like a lot of consumer focused stuff. So it's not so much like trade tastings where I won't go into it like an off license and taste, but it'll be more like we'll hook up with. 
someone who's making amazing food and we'll do like a, a paired dinner or I'll go to some cool event and I'll just be talking about the whiskey in between that and then give some whiskey out in the middle of it. Did a cool one in Berlin last year where they were talking about, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was this amazing thing that they run once a year where they bring together like the brightest minds in the business and they basically give them like, what would you do if you had all of today's resources and a completely blank country? Build it. So they spend the whole day, people who are like, like, <clears throat> who specialize in like, <clears throat> public, like not public relations, but um, there's like people who, from politics, there's people who like human resources and, and then there's like engineers and they all get together and they build this, this whole community. And then at the end of it, they talk about all their discoveries and their, and their, you know, their reckonings of like, what would happen if we had this perfect blank canvas? And nine times out of 10, they're like, we fucked it up. <laughs> we fucked it up. We had all day. We fucked it up. It's like the last one that the one I was at, they were like, there happened to be like this racist culture that we built and by no means of our own. There were people who wanted to live outside the city and live in the forests and the trees and just live their lives peacefully and people in the city and they ended up like clashing all the time. And to the point where like they didn't want them coming into the city. And they were like, we can't believe this happened because we're all like educated and like pretty chill people. But like it existed. This is not really what you asked me, but I just thought it was really interesting. And then anyway, I give out some whiskey at that and everyone had a great time. Uh, yeah. And then that's it really. Then you just go from town to town doing stuff like that. The more fun things are like the, like those sort of events. Stuff where you get to like really talk to people. Not when you're just getting like absolutely slammed. It's like 300 people dinner. You're like, cool, that's going to be fun. They're going to learn a lot about Ronco when I'm getting like four people deep just asking for a beer. Um, but like small intimate stuff. You smear enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's nice to be nice and all that. I'll never tell someone no. Um, yeah, I think that's really kind of covers it. It's kind of right. a brief, a brief rundown of it. How how are you finding? A, and I know you're you're delving into the the far far tenuous parts of Europe um, and into oh, Russia. Yeah. How are you finding? I suppose differences in like cultures or you know especially like strong language barriers if you you know how how does that work for you i suppose you'll have a local team of people who yeah. have a bit of translation help but i suppose even that breaks flow you know and that and absolutely and there's the different kind of commonalities between you know speech and and you know buzzwords how do you find that it's difficult definitely de- definitely very difficult at the first because you sort of lose like the cadence of the way you speak because you're kind of you stop and you wait for the like if you have a translator you stop yeah. and wait for the person to speak and then in your head you said something funny and there's like complete silence and you're like oh i wonder if they said that and then you realize that they have said it and they just don't find it funny because the translation mostly wasn't or maybe you're not funny alan <laughs> sometimes it's what you think also um i think it freaks me out as i've had a few experiences especially in uh in russia and, and uh i remember doing a presentation where I think I had like a, I, I had a long spiel and they basically just went, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And then looked back at me and I was like, that was, that was a third, <laughs> a, third a third of what I said. But I, what I always find even worse is when I only say like two words, I want, you know, one sentence and they spend six and a half minutes translating it. I'm like, what are you, what? Yeah. And they're having a laugh and I'm like, what are you guys, t- what are you talking about? And how did you get this much information <laughs> from what I said? And why don't I now speak Russian? Yeah. Uh, Am I killing it? I'm killing it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you selling Smirnoff again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, you kind of get used to it after a while, I guess. But it is always a bit... Um, 
a bit disconcerting. Uh, particularly when people laugh when you're not trying to be funny or vice versa. <laughs> you just don't know because you're, you're basically the only person in the room who doesn't understand what's going on and you're, everyone's looking at you for information. <laughs> uh, have you ever met Irvin Tchaikovsky? He's the the global ambassador for well, for Singleton but like the malt. Mm-hmm. He's like this Glaswegian guy and he speaks like really quickly and he's a funny dude, you know, he's like really charismatic and he gets up on stage and I saw him up in Russia and he just and it was, and I've never seen it happen before. But the person translating for him just could not keep up, and you know that always, like uh, that haunts me to this day. When I see a translator, I'm like, oh god, this could be my day. But we'll see. Uh, I'm not sorry. He was in Ukraine. We did that. He did the partial over there. But yeah, amazing dude. Actually, he's coming in. Uh, he's coming this month, which is really helpful for other people listening. That's not. Yeah. Direct. Sorry, guys. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> So I suppose, do you do you end up dealing with a lot of Diageo a lot? Are you guys, as you said, you know, the parent, the big boy parents are Diageo, but do you actually deal with them a lot when you're going around, or is it just kind of the, the um, distributors, or how does it So work? here in Ireland, I'm pretty much, I will have constant contact, well, I constant con- con- obviously have constant contact with them anyway, but like, uh, for like bars and stuff here in Dublin, it'll be like the key accounts executive handsome man named Kevin Stanton who I speak to um, so yeah a lot of time in countries where Diageo sell direct that'll be the way I'd be going about it directly with them which is nice too because you know when you talk about Ronco and, and who we are and what we do is like they actually fucking listen whereas sometimes it can be hard distribution guys because they have such a huge portfolio they have like 400 products and they're like I'm like oh no and there's a pear tree that we have and they're like I don't care I absolutely do not care about that <laughs> how much is it <laughs> And uh, like I totally understand, but it's cool then when you get people who like appreciate it and want it to grow. I think in Ireland here we've we've seen like a, a pretty decent upturn in the last six months or so of the way Rome goes being received and stuff. We've been in a couple of key venues too, which is really really helps just to see just to see it on back bars and stuff. If you were like if it's not there, you can't buy it. This is what uh, the guy the head of the IGO says in Ireland. I'm like, well, that's fair enough. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. And if there was uh, one thing that you love about Ronco that isn't immediately obvious from an outsider point of view, not the just the normal stuff that you can read into the, I suppose, the marketing story, but one thing that you love telling people perhaps in your presentations or just when you get to sit down with bartenders, something that isn't immediately obvious that you love telling people about. Do you have anything like that to put you on the spot? In terms of the, the spirit character or in terms no, of just, anything just about the brand? Anything. Anything you want. Maybe, you know, you found a cool old book when you're digging out a wall in the power station or you... I mean, the white horse is a pretty good story, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what is cool? Uh, it wasn't dug out of a wall. We bought it off Amazon. But there is... So way back when George Rowe was absolutely smashing it, uh, Dublin Whiskey Distillery released an article in the paper saying that it can't be good because he's producing that much. He must be using inferior grain. Uh, obviously, George Rowe took offense to this and he brought him to court and won the battle. The court battle. <laughs> Not the, ba- the battle. The battle of liberties. <laughs> and uh, you can buy the book now and it's in the Ronco Colors. It's available online and it has the transcript of the court case. And it is called Double Whiskey Distillery versus George Rowe. There you go. Distillery. And... Uh, <laughs> I want to, my dream is to send a bottle to Double Muscat Silly when they open with the book just saying all is forgiven. Like, that's my dream. 
So if you stand ready, if you guys are listening. <laughs> and it'd be even nice to have you know steal some of that maybe the 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 typeface or the or the text as well. Maybe the inside of a box or something yeah. in the future. You can steal that. Patent <laughs> <laughs> pending. Patent pending. Patent pending. Yeah. Um, but for me, something that I really love about Rowan Co is the people that I work with. If you ever get the chance to sit down with Laura Hemi, who's our head distiller, and like pick her brain on terms of innovation and like weird and wonderful things she wants to do with whiskey, it's like I couldn't really ask for more to working with someone like that who's just like really trying to push the boundaries of a little bit, particularly in a market now that we are in, where even when we start producing our own whiskey, it's going to be years before we can use it in our blends. Um, we'll produce single malt, which will be cool, but there's obviously a large part of our time and allowance will be set aside to innovative things so we're looking at different grains and doing as weird and wonderful as we can possibly create um from day one really uh which is pretty cool uh Haley has been amazing amazing person to work alongside too she basically worked with Bola team when they entered europe and has been largely responsible for what a lot of people for how successful it has been and how bloody everywhere it is nowadays which is kind of cool so just and obviously Nyler as well. Nyler is the constant source of inspiration. Like you guys, when you come to the distillery and you get meet, greeted by him, you'll just know what I'm talking about. He's like the best dude. Um, yeah, so it's like really interesting and like challenging all the time because I haven't obviously worked in this in like a full time role like this before in terms of like like right in the distillery, like right in the heart of it, right. In, and it's it's amazing. And the future for me is really really exciting. And the blends that we're going to be churning out. We have another, churning is not a great term, but whatever. Um, uh, we have another one coming probably at the end of April, start of May for the launch of the distillery. Another which? Another blend. So second release, which will be nice. Um, it'll be cool to have like a, a bit more easy conversation with customers and with bars, you know, where we have, like I suspect most people who listen to this have like a drink and whiskey and then they have a sip and whiskey available at home where you have your one where you're not thinking about it and you just drink that and then when you want to have something a little more a little more complex and challenging you sit down and savour it it will be the same one and that will be coming next oh no well it is this year it'll be oh my god in four months five months yeah don't quote me on that <laughs> timelines change oh my god yeah time is fucking going so fast it's amazing so, you know, your team is, I suppose, what, four? Like, there's there's you quite know. a few people involved in, like, I, I would hate to say that take away any of what the rest of the crew who we've asked for help have done, mm-hmm. but the real, like, the core unit of it all at the moment is just these four people who technically have Rowan Co next to their name and all their <laughs> emails. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys, I suppose, do you guys shape the future of Rowan Co, or is there an overarching <clears throat> blueprint that... You no. guys are executing or? There's no real blueprint for <laughs> what we're supposed to be and what we have to, what we have to achieve. Um, obviously, they want us to, people want us to be successful and that's fair enough. But we are basically the first ever founded spirits company by Diageo and actually their smallest distillery as well, which is kind of cool. So we're the cute guys in the corner. We're the cute guys that we all know. Compared to the rest of the yeah, people. We show up to those big meetings. They're like, <laughs> sweet stills. <laughs> oh. Um, um, and yeah, so basically we get to have major input on the culture and the, the brand and how we want it to be seen and how we want it to be consumed and who 
we want to share it with, which is a really amazing opportunity. And there's not many companies in the world with those sort of opportunities where you get to kind of lean heavily upon this major powerhouse of of a spirits company, but also kind of have your own independence too, the choices that you make. Obviously, we we have goals set for us and we have to achieve them. But, you know, I think with the way we're going and the, what we have planned, that it's definitely going to happen. And speaking about your stills, the other guy is slagging you about. And yeah, my tiny stills. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how large or otherwise tiny are, are they and who made them? Are they kind of, you kind of snuck them in there and they kind of just popped up on Facebook one day for a nice drone shot. Yeah, uh, that was a nice drone shot. That was pretty cool. That guy Greg is awesome. Um, so they're from the Copper Smiths in Alloa. So it's Diageo. It's all of you, a lot of it repurposed. Uh, we have a 14,000 litre, 6.6,000 litre and a 4,000 litre. Um, and you can get a peek at them actually through the front of the distillery if you walk by nowadays. It was all boarded up for the weather during Christmas, but I think they're taking it down again, which is good. Um, yeah, they're all pretty cool. They're all weird and wonderful. One is like super small and squat, and then one is like tall and refined looking, which is pretty cool. I'm really interested to see what sort of spirit we get out of it because they're like funky and weird, which is cool. It'll be like people who kind of dig stills will go in and be like, oh, <laughs> look at these. One of the one of the gin or sorry one of the still necks is a repurposed gin still neck from Tanqueray from years and years and years ago, which is pretty cool. It's got like a double reflux bulb, which will um, mean that the spirit coming out of it will be super clean, uh, which is interesting because we have like that small fat thing with doing like real dirty oily whiskey, uh, like spirit coming through it as well. So it'll be it'll be nice to see what happens eventually. Like we're all kind of looking at them, being like, we can't really even guess, begin to guess what's going to come out of them. So fingers crossed, it's not a complete stitch up. <laughs> and then what? They were just kind of the coppersmiths had parts and bits and bobs lying around yeah. and different things. And so when we were there, like when we were there picking up our stills, they were working on Broer and Port Ellen, or Port Ellen as they call it in Nyla, which I really love. Their accent's so good over there. Um, it was really, it's actually amazing. So there's like sixty guys employed there in Alloa, and everything is done by hand, in terms of like the the coppersmithing and the work. It's incredible facility. Um, a lot of it has been, yeah, like repurposed. And that's kind of like the story of our distillery, like rejuvenation and, you know, repurposing and relighting the fires, so to speak. You know, it's the story of Irish whiskey in general. The birth of the rebirth of the, of the category, so to speak, in terms of like having like distillery quarters available. The fact that powers are doing like that distillery quarter thing. That's so cool just to see that. Like walk down Thomas Street and be like, oh, fuck, it's happening again. <laughs> And absolutely happening yeah. again. And then, like, we're here for it. How cool is that? Yeah. And like you said, you've got Teeling and you've got uh, Pierce Lyons just around the corner. And yeah. you've got the Jameson, the old Jameson Museum across Which is the water. incredible. Have you, I haven't been there. I hadn't been there until recently. And I was like, holy crap, this is really good. I've been out of Ireland too long, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to one in Milton a good few times, which is always really nice. But the, the, one, the old one over there is amazing. It was, they were so schlick like oh absolutely yeah so were there any um, you know you kind of shoehorned a distillery into a 40s power station were there any big roadblocks or difficulties you think that Diageo would have rather retrospectively just knocked the whole thing and green sided it or no I don't think so like once you perhaps from from, a, from afar when you like looked at all the problems that you get on a daily basis into an engineering report and you're like why do we like why do we do this? 
like once you step inside that building and you like look up at the stills and you look at the massive high ceilings it makes sense you're like wow this is really special it i've been to a lot of distilleries like maybe 80 in my short span of time on this planet and i've never seen anything like it and that is pretty like pretty exciting for me and the fact that i get to have like my own like footprint and say and like how things go and how things flow and how things look is even more incredible like i still pinch myself most days when i walk inside there and that's kind of not i don't expect many people have that when they go to work and that's why i live 200 meters from the fucking thing uh, you do live very close <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to find you later <laughs> yeah absolutely it's pretty cool because the smell of roasted barley from the Guinness factory comes in here like all the time even when I'm hungover unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> the one thing you don't want is the smell of booze yeah um, and so are the chimneys staying are they chimneys well? staying yeah so just nice is, you know have you, have you poked about the building like have you gone exploring I've been underground yeah. um, there's three tunnels underneath it and they all lead into into Guinness. Into Guinness, it's pretty Guinness, cool. Isn't Guinness full of tunnels? Yeah, Guinness is full. After after my poking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool. There's sort of a train one. There's the train tracks are like specifically designed for Guinness though, so you can't just put like a regulation. You've got to build the trains, which is pretty amazing. Is there tu- like the tunnel big enough for like a like a regular train? So they used to drag um, grain up from the river, all the way up into the into the brewery. Underground, underground. Well, like just just that wee bit would be underground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. And then there's steam one. So it's like some of that, like they can still power, like power is still coming through that. So steam is going up. So I'd like pretty much sh- pretty sure, I'm pretty sure like the Dublin goes dead. Like Guinness will still be working, the brewery part at least. I don't know what the power the visitor center. I don't know if they can power that. <laughs> uh, and then there's a footbridge, like a foot underground uh, tunnel tunnel. Uh, which is pretty cool. I really hoping to host a party in there at some point, but I'm really hitting a lot of stumbling blocks with uh, health, health and safety. safety. <laughs> I can see why they wouldn't yeah. like that. But they're amazing, you know, because they're like they're built like they're made to last. You go in there and it's all this like wee white tiling all over the thing, and it's like everything's just still just there, like nothing's changed, and it still looks immaculate and beautiful. We showed a bit in a clip in one of our videos recently. We had like a like a local dance teacher. She was like doing ballet in there. Which is kind of cool. It was like nice juxtaposition, I guess, because it's all like super old school and hardcore building with all this like beautiful dancing. Absolutely, yeah. So, if you're gonna leave us with um, something to keep an eye out for in the coming year for Rowan Co, what are you what are you gonna excite people with? Is it the you throwing an opening shindig for the distillery, or are you? teasing batch two or what 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 do you think is is something that people should keep an eye out i might just merge both of them into one if that's all right uh batch two is coming not so much batch two but like expression number two is Is it is it like to just jump on it is it rowan co just second release or is it a different no rowan co okay rowan co second release okay um but not batch two so that's where you threw me yeah, sorry, pardon me. Sorry, second release of Ronco, and it'll be a blended malt. Ooh, very nice. Um, so we're going to put some of the older casks that we have in storage to use. Uh, I gave you a wee taste of some of that poor cask that we had, so it'll be a port and bourbon blend in terms of uh, barrels. It's obviously all Irish whiskey. I'm just talking like this because I suspect the people who are listening will understand. They will. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so it's going to be just, yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> Double malt, probably around half, like 50-50. If I'm to give you specs, I'll probably get a large one for that, but whatever. Uh, it's incredible. And now we're at the moment we're working out ABVs. And then, uh, which I am going to do some cool stuff around the city with. In terms of like spot blind tastings and stuff and good whiskey bars. So if you guys are drinking in the palace or somewhere like that, I might come out of nowhere. <laughs> Just be prepared. Um, Drink my whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like me? <laughs> um, and then, yes, when the distillery finally opens, we're going to have like a two-day open house. Um, we won't be running tours for the first two days. What we'll do is everyone who arrives will get like a ticket to come back when we are not so obviously packed with... Because there'll be a lot of like hub hub about it and we're going to do a couple of different things. We'll have some live music, going to have amazing food being prepared. I'm going to bring over some friends who work in different bars all over the world. And they're going to do some bartending in the bar at night. The bar is going to be incredible, by the way. So the guys who... They're called Drinksology. They're from... <clears throat> the north in Belfast they've actually designed the gunpowder bottle uh, they are working with us to design the bar and two other bars they're known for is Dead Rabbit and Blacktail so our bar is going to be beautiful <laughs> uh, and it's the most for anyone who actually works in bars it's going to be most beautiful to work in bar I've ever been in it's insane you don't have to move ever <laughs> everything <laughs> is just in there reach. all the time in reach. yeah everything's in reach and will, uh, will consumers be able to walk in and go straight to the bar or is it a sense of you have to buy a ticket to get to the bar at the end to get your free drink? So what will happen is that initially we're going to give out, uh, we haven't 100% confirmed the design yet, but tokens, so to speak, and they will be like lifetime membership to the bar. So people like yourself and big whiskey drinkers will always be welcome. People who work in bars here in the city and around the world who we have relationships with will always be welcome. Just people that live and breathe whiskey and the brand will always be welcome. Um, like we won't be a case of like 15 people coming over for a pint of Guinness on a Friday that like we won't be allowing that really. We want it to still be a part of the tour because it's important to us that the mixability of our spirit is recognized. And the tour will have a couple of different drinks on the way, but it's important to us that you sit down and you get to enjoy that experience as well because it's not so much you just get like a mixed drink at the end, but it's like this is the another part of the experience is being in the bar and the hospitality that we show as A, Irish people and B, a whiskey company who prides themselves on being hospitable. So it's really important to us that they have somewhere to sit as opposed to like walking in on Friday night and being like, what's going on? Everyone's having, like, after work drinks is not going to be a thing there. Um, we want people to come and enjoy it and take it for what it's worth, you know, and drink whiskey, basically. We're going to have like a full whiskey cocktail menu. Um, will it be dedicated rum color or will you have all the Diageo brands, do you think? On the menu? Or to back bar? Uh, I imagine the menu was going to be rum color. The, the menu will be all rum color and like stuff that we make ourselves in the still. Um, yeah, we're going to do some really cool stuff with the stills. Um, Second radio podcast. <laughs> Second? I said in the second radio podcast we can ask you all about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. Um, yeah, tomorrow's headline, Alan gets fired. <laughs> 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 Telling us too much information. Yeah, God, the way my expenses are going, it probably will happen at this stage. Um, so, uh, yes, we will have a small smattering of other products on the back bar. Not exclusively Diageo. We're looking to, to pick one or two key and what we feel are like really good expressions of certain brands, whiskies, and have them available as well. Because we want to be like, like 
drink Thomas Street, for example, or whatever. Or, you know... Drink Thomas Street's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and I want people to be able to, like, have a John's Lane and then have a Pierce 5 and then have... Or Second Expression or whatever. And be like, look how fucking cool this is. Like, this is all on one street. Or was and is, you know. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have, like, a wee map, which will we'll show people to the other distilleries and stuff. We very much want to be part of the community and not be exercised as the big boys trying to crush everybody that's not what I want and not what anyone I spoke to in Tiago wants so <laughs> until that point comes excuse me um, yeah it's going to be really cool it's a really exciting project there's a lot of work to do still but it's exciting good I look forward to the distillery opening in November you're saying <laughs> 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 only joking of course <laughs> um and you're saying, sorry, when, when is this the expected distillery opening date for those who were not listening to me taking the piss? Uh, May. Hopefully. Question mark. Question mark. Yeah. May question mark. I think that's as fair as I can make it at the moment. That's fair. Hey. Yeah. Maybe if you're listening to this in May, you can fact check us. I'll <laughs> yeah, no, just like call in. Like, hey. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I suppose at this point it's kind of a natural end to the conversation. So I suppose uh, next time along, hopefully there'll be an open distillery. Maybe we'll do our uh, radio interview in the tunnels beneath. Uh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. It would be some crazy acoustics. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> we can have uh, a few Tashkans in the in the tunnels, and we can hundred uh, oh, percent. Yeah. yeah, we can scare some Diageo. Because it goes over to the uh, open game brewery, ah. so we can go over there for the perfect boilermaker. There you go. There you go. You should actually just do a little like dumb waiter system where the, you <laughs> you get pints come along and you just lift them out. <laughs> yeah, very great cool. escape. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, thank you so much. If people want to check you out on social media or Rowan Co on social media, hit me with some uh, links. Uh, Instagram handles, Twitter handles, Facebook. Rowan Co. Uh, the ampersand doesn't work, so it's just Rowan Co. Uh, which is kind of a bit of a fuck up, I guess. <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, that's just that's just social media for you. That's just social media. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and then so that's on Instagram and Twitter is Rowan Co. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. Okay. Uh, as far as I know, Twitter doesn't get much of a workup. That's fair. And um, yourself, if people want to try to find you, or are you kind of a, a sneaky brand ambassador? No, like? Absolutely. If you fucking want to be looking at pictures of me, you're more than welcome. It's uh, why can't I do it right? on Instagram and um, why can't you do it right? why can't I do it right I know that's a long story that's not for a podcast that's more <laughs> but it involved Bacardi that's all I'll say <laughs> no. alright well thank you so much uh, guys and uh, all Whiskey Files out there thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of 2019 as always if you've enjoyed this hit subscribe please share with your friends and you can always find us on uh, social media ourselves and on Twitter and Instagram at potstilled underscore. You can also find us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com forward slash potstilled or simply potstilled.com. So thank you very much, guys. And um, thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year. Same to you.